crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello and welcome back to Watch Jerusalem. I'm your host, Brent Nachtigal. Today I'm coming to you from the United States. I'm here in Edmond, Oklahoma on the campus of Herbert W. Armstrong College. Herbert W. Armstrong College has had a long-term, a long-term partnership with Dr. Elot Mazar and Hebrew University excavating throughout ancient Jerusalem, be that in the city of David or on the Urfel, and even going back to the time of our namesake, Herbert W. Armstrong, working with uh, Elat's grandfather, Professor Benjamin Mazar, the former head of Hebrew University. Uh, he had massive excavations there at the southern wall of the Temple Mount for such a long time. And we are basically picking up that mantle. And while I am back here at our headquarters campus in Oklahoma, I'm spending some time here with my family. I still want to do these Watch Jerusalem programs to update you on the latest of biblical archaeology. And there was a a stunning new uh, report that came out over the past couple of days. And there's been numerous uh, news reports on it relating to biblical Edom and dates attached to the early period of when Edom is said to exist, according to the Bible, as a nation state or a polity of some sort, as opposed to just a bunch of nomadic uh, peoples. And we're going to talk about that on today's show, particularly this study relating to the different copper mines in the Arava Valley. This is the area to the south of the Dead Sea, going across into modern-day Jordan, and then also south towards Eilat, on the other side of the of the uh, uh, Arava Valley to the Temna mines. And we'll be talking about a study which looks at the copper production from both of these locations as it relates to about the time period of about 3,000 years ago, about the time of David and earlier. And it just amazes me how much information can be garnered from the study of slag, <laughs> the study of slag, basically the byproduct, uh, what's produced after you um, bring in the, the, the copper ore and uh, you're creating copper and the leftover bits is called slag, basically. And they've been studying these slag heaps at these mines for uh, a long time now. And some really interesting details are emerging about the sophistication of the copper industry and the dates attached to changes in that copper industry as well. And so for today's program, I'm going to talk about this and particularly go through an article uh, from Haaretz by Ariel David. And this is a wonderful article. I'm going to leave it in the show notes for you today if you would like to read it. It's entitled, Archaeology Confirms Book of Genesis on Israel's Arch Nemesis, the Edomites. Of course, the Edomites were a people that sprung from Esau, Jacob's brother, and they would become a people that were next to the Israelites once the Israelites came into the promised land. This is a really interesting account if you look into the Bible about these people because uh, they weren't that friendly with the Israelites when they were fleeing Egypt, when they were coming across uh, at the end of their 40 years of wandering or towards the end of that. They wanted to go through Edomite territory, but the Edomites wouldn't let them through, and so they had to go all the way around down to the Red Sea, 
around uh, into, let's say, modern-day Jordan, uh, and instead of going on the King's Highway straight through the guts of, of Edomite territory. Anyhow, there has been the longest debate as to when Edom became a nation, when Edom existed, and people have used the existence of Edom or the lack thereof as proof against the biblical account, saying that if the Bible discusses this state, if you like, of of Edom, and we don't find the state of Edom at that time that the Bible purports to talk about it, then the Bible is incorrect. That's an anachronism. Well, the evidence coming out from this excavation, this study on the series of excavations, is showing that Edom looks like it was a state, or at least governed by a singular authority, for a number of years, even before the kingdom of Saul and the kingdom of David. Stunning. That's what the Bible says. Just one scripture here for you. It says this in Genesis chapter 36 and verse 31, and this Genesis chapter 36 is basically going through the different leaders uh, that sprung from Edom or Esau. Verse 31 says this, And these are the kings that reigned in the land of Edom before there reigned any king over the children of Israel. So before King Saul, uh, Saul was made king over Israel, we'll just say around 1040 BCE, the Bible says here that Edom already had kings. Edom already had a centralized authority. And the evidence coming out of these slag, hip, slag heaps about 100 kilometers away from each other indicates that, indicates a central authority of the Edomites going back to around 1100 BCE, a good 50 years before King Saul was made king. Exactly how the Bible describes it here in the book of Genesis. So let's get to this article again. It's entitled Archaeology Confirms Book of Genesis on Israel's Arch Nemesis, the Edomites, written by Ariel David and Haaretz, September 18th, 2019. There are a few of these articles out there on this study. This, I believe, is by far the best. It actually detail. it's got some, the others have some historical inaccuracies. Uh, even if you go back and read the actual study, which I did before, um, we might get to the actual study because I think that that brings out some things that this article doesn't even bring out as well. But this, this is by far the best and puts it in, in layman's terms. So we're going to read through a portion of this. And again, it'll be available to you in the show notes of today's program, at least a link to it. It starts out this way. It's not every day that science and archaeology find confirmation of the Bible, but this seems to be the case with new research claiming that the biblical kingdom of Edom was much older than scholars previously thought. In fact, it arose even before the formation of ancient Israel, just like it says in the book of Genesis. That's quite the paragraph to begin, saying that this Uh, supports the Bible. This unexpected conclusion was reached by studying that precious source of evidence in modern archaeology, ancient garbage. Specifically, a team of researchers analyzed slag, the waste left over from metal smelting, at ancient copper production sites in the Arava Valley. So we're talking about the, the Dead Sea Rift Valley, but south of the Dead Sea. One on the Jordanian side and one site in inside uh, modern day Israel a region that spans the southern deserts of Israel and Jordan and was once the heartland of the Edomite nation. Again, this is where Edom lived. Edom lived in this territory going all the way down to Eilat, uh, ancient Izzy and Geba, where the Red Sea comes up there. 
and then it continued all the way to the southern part of the Dead Sea. The article continues, the team of American, Israeli, and Jordanian archaeologists found that people at different sites in the Arava, so in this valley, were producing metal using the same standardized techniques, which improved and advanced in parallel more than 3,000 years ago. This, the archaeologists say, is a sign that there was a strong centralized entity that coordinated copper production over vast distances. In other words, a state. A state. What they've found, as we'll cover, and as we get to, is a corresponding change in the technology at two sites. These two massive sites, this, this was the main copper ore or copper production site in the eastern Mediterranean during this period, during the Iron Age. Before then, I think it was in Cyprus, if you go back to the late bronze and earlier, but then it moved to the eastern Mediterranean, particularly here into the Arava Valley where there's a lot of copper ore. And this is the area, these two sites, the main ones that have been found so far with copper mining facilities and smelting facilities. So the actual production of the copper from the ore. And what they notice is that there is a steady increase in the technology of the copper production. And that increase at one site matches the dates to the increase in the other site as well, indicating that the technology to do, to to make such an improvement was shared. It wasn't such that one site was far above the other site, like in previous ages, if you go back as we'll cover to 100 years previous to this time, when you do have different, you do have the smelting taking place in one of the sites, but uh, a lot of the different, there's different technologies being used. It isn't centralized. It isn't standardized. Then it writes this, the article says, the hypothesis dovetails with the biblical claim that there were, quote, kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel, end quote, Genesis 36, verse 31. If we go by the biblical chronology, the first kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon, would have reigned from the late 11th century to the mid 10th century BCE. So whether it's by coincidence or not, finding that Edom was already an organized state in the middle of the 11th century BCE jives with the biblical text. The biblical text and archaeology are doing a jive. <laughs> They're doing a dance. And as two partners must, if you want to, if you want them to look any good, they've got to be jiving. They've got to be matching each other. They've got to be working together. And in this case, the Bible matches the archaeology. This paper that was presented, I guess it was earlier on in the week, it's entitled Ancient Technology and Punctuated Change Detecting the Emergence of the Edomite Kingdom in the Southern Levant. I will put that on in the show notes as well if you would like to uh, go through it. Okay, so let's get into some of this, the evidence of how they can make this claim. How can you tell when, when a technology is changing? How can you tell um, that those changes were made at exactly the same time over this vast distance. Continue on, continuing in the article, the research is led by archaeologist Thomas Levy from the University of California, San Diego, and Erez ben Yosef from Tel Aviv University conducted chemical and microscopic analyses on more than 150 samples of securely dated pieces of slag excavated in Timna, on the Israeli side of the Arava, and Fainan, op, uh, located in the Jordanian side just southeast of the Dead Sea. These locations, separated by more than 100 kilometers of wasteland, 
were known as major copper mining and smelting hubs in antiquity, operating mainly from 1300 BCE through to 800 BCE. So this is really interesting. We've got these, both of these areas are being used from 1300 onwards. This is a good 300 years before King David. And before that time, we know that at least in uh, Timnah, we had um, the excavation of copper being done, copper ore being done by the Egyptians or underneath the Egyptians. But they left they left around 1100 or so, 1160. And at that time, we saw the vacuum that was created by the Egyptians was quickly filled by these nomadic tribes, which are called the Edomites, to take over the not only the production of the copper, but also the direction of the production of the copper. It's likely that the Edomites were located in this area all along, but they were ruled over by the Egyptians, at least until the Egyptians... Uh, fell away during this big late Bronze Age collapse, as we call it, where everywhere in the Middle East, these major kingdoms, Hittite kingdom, Egyptian kingdom, basically shrunk. And in the void created by that, you have the creation of these small, or, or that vacuum creates the ideal situation that other kingdoms or nations can flourish, be that the Israelites, be that the Ammonites, the Moabites, or the Edomites. And that's what we have in this area. Let's talk about this as it continues. The operations, operations in the Arava were particularly lucrative since local, the locals became the major producers of copper for the Eastern Mediterranean. Then it says this, tens of thousands of tons of slag were left behind from copper smelting during the Iron Age and can still be seen blackening the landscape at Timna and Fainan. Tens of thousands of tons of slag. That's a lot. This is a lot of copper production that was being take, taken place here through centuries around this time. The big question is, who was behind these massive mining operations, and when and how did the local nomadic tribes coalesce into a political entity that can be described as a unified state? Okay, so we've got two massive mounds. Basically, let's just put it two massive areas where there's massive copper mining and production taking place. And we need to answer the question, who mined it? And is there evidence? Is that evidence of statehood? And what we mainly have is two big piles of slag. Two big piles of slag that obviously you can date. You can date from using different techniques, carbon dating, of course, uh, and other ways of dating this slag. And then you can determine because of the layers and how they're deposited on one another. You have the latest, let's say the earliest uh, slag or the earliest copper production at the lowest level and then the slag would have been dumped on top of those layers and on top of those layers for hundreds of years the article continues by analyzing samples from Timna and Fainan scientists could elucidate the efficiency of the smelting process by measuring parameters like the temperature of the furnaces the addition of other minerals to improve the extraction of the metal and the amount of copper left over in the slag. The less residue in the waste material, the better the product quality of the product. So basically what they've said is we can tell that copper production or the, the, the way that it was being produced, the technology increased by the amount of copper still left in the slag. If there's lots of copper still left in the slag, then we know that they weren't that efficient at getting all of it in the smelting process. 
And what they've noticed is as they've gone down in this big layer of slag, you have more and more copper, the copper ore that hasn't been extracted successfully from the from the copper ore and so therefore it wasn't as efficient so this indicates that the technology was improving and they've noticed that it was improving uh in a way uh, quite uniformly over this amount of time it says this this is quoting ben yosef now one of the chief archaeologists this was the most complicated technology in the ancient world and the arava was the silicon valley of the period so they had their own research and development team. And over time, we can see constant improvement in the quality of the process. Then the article continues. Moreover, this incremental progress appears to proceed at the same pace at Fainan and Timna. Okay. So it's not only that there's an increase in technology. It's that both places had the same technology, both improved their products at the same time. Quote, This was knowledge that was not easily shared at the time. It was kept secret by the elites, Ben Joseph explains. So if the same techniques were used in distant sites, it is very strong evidence that the production was organized and above, uh, from above using the knowledge and procedures determined by a single elite okay now we're getting somewhere so if this technology was something that you wouldn't readily share and you find the same incremental improvements at exactly the same time a hundred kilometers away from each other it indicates that there is one team of scientists one polity one state governing the production of this copper Okay, so when does this happen? When does when is there uniform improvement in the copper technology, smelting technology? Continuing from the article, this in turn suggests that within 100 to 150 years from the departure of the Egyptians, the nomadic tribes of the entire area united around the copper industry. They, quote, built something that was powerful and centralized the early nucleus of the Edomite kingdom. Okay, so this is, this is great. So let's say the Egyptians, they, they left around 1300 BCE. And it's saying here around 100 to 150 years later, what we find is the development of universal, well, techniques in both of these sites that mirror one another to produce the same level the same quality of copper ore the same process is being used so this is saying around 1100 1150 bce we have the early developments of statehood amongst the edomites these nomadic peoples that were nomads that came together and that basically um that unified so that they would be able to produce this ore in a, in a way very much together now at the time there isn't huge structures located at these places for the people to live in and it's likely that uh, the Edomites continued to as this paper brings out to act in a nomadic way these sites were only the smelting process basically took place in the winter so that there would be access to enough water for all the employees if I can call them that they probably weren't <laughs> employees they might have been uh, some well I guess they could be employees maybe slaves for some portions of this as well 
So that's what we have in this article. They are explaining, and in this, this isn't just an article. It's based on their, um, uh, based on this big study that they've they've made over years of work and over 150 samples being taken, dated securely. But there's also something else that's very interesting that came out from this study. If you can put your little uh, timeline, just think of this timeline in your head of these two sites, you have uh, copper production taking place underneath the Egyptians for, let's say, 150 years at both of these sites. And this copper production, eventually around 1100, 1150, um, the Egyptians are gone at this point, and yet you start to find this uniform improvement in the sophisticated technology to produce copper, indicating a polity, indicating that, as the Bible says, we have the start of the kingdom of Edom. Now, what's interesting also is that around 1000 BCE, there is a change. There isn't a change necessarily in the way in which, or the, the let's say, a, a huge change in the way in which the copper is produced, but we start to get massive fortifications at these sites. Before this, again, I was saying there were more nomads, they were lived in tents, although they were a state. Now you have around 1000 BC, uh, BCE these massive fortifications. This is what it says in this article. Beyond saying that in David's time, there was probably... Uh, there was there probably was an Edomite kingdom available to be conquered. The newly published study does not confirm or deny this particular biblical episode. They're not saying that they're trying to prove it or not. Previous excavations of Timnah have shown that around the year 1000, that is when David became king of Jerusalem, fortifications were built around the site and remains were found showing that the local workers were clothed with expensive textiles and enjoyed food imported from afar. So do you notice that? We have Edomite statehood showing this technology improving in this wide wide variety, wide area that the Bible says where the Edomites lived. That supports the Bible. Then 1000 BC, we have a change. We have the production continuing but we also have fortifications. We also have imported foods coming to this area. We also have discovered, or they discovered, amazing colorful textiles, clothing, that the people that worked on these mines, or maybe even the upper level, upper class of people that govern these mines, were wearing. There was a change in 1000 BC. What was that change? Well, you can go to your Bible and you can read about this change. I'll quote a scripture uh, for you here. This is 2 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 14. This is during David's time. And he put garrisons in Edom. Garrisons, fortresses, outposts. He put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons. And all they of Edom became David's servants. And so we have the Bible telling us that when David became king, he conquered this territory of Edom. And Joab went there and he put a, quite a lot of them to death, the, the males. He ruled over them. David would rule over them. And one of their leaders would actually escape. Hadad, the young one, he would go over to Egypt and stay there for a while until the end of Sol- towards the end of Solomon's reign. He was in any, any, uh, of the Edomite royal family. But we notice here that it says that David put garrisons 
in Edom. And what he what is he going to look after? Well, he's going to make sure, of course, that the people don't rebel. The Edomites don't rebel because Israel was never allowed to settle the territory of Edom. God said, "I've given you the I've given you your land. Edom belongs to Jacob's brother. That's their land. That was a gift from God to them. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter two. It mentions that." And so they weren't allowed to settle that. So Edomites stayed there. And yet we did have a change in the rulership around 1000 BC. And that's indicated by the fortifications that they find at these very important mining facilities, lucrative mining facilities, copper producing facilities. This copper, of course, would be eventually used in the massive construction projects of King Solomon. And so you have another match with the Bible, not just that Edom was a state before this time, but that when David took it, or when the Bible says that David overcame this area and he built garrisons, you have these garrisons popping up, popping up inside uh, at both of these locations uh, by the smelting facilities. So we also have that. Then you can also go, there's one other really interesting fact that they found from these slag pits. <laughs> and as they went down further, they get to around the second half of the 10th century. So towards the end, sorry, of the, of the 10th century. They can put it sometime around 930, 925 BCE. And what you see then is a dramatic change in two things. You have a dramatic change in the ability to smelt the copper ore. You have larger facilities being used, larger furnaces being used, and corresponding with that, you also have these fortifications falling out of use. They're no longer needed or no longer used at this point, around 925. And what they suggest in this paper is that around 925, you have the biblical, the biblically confirmed invasion of the Egyptian pharaoh Shishak or Shoshank, as it's known to history, as he is known to history, coming into this territory, coming into, obviously, the land of Israel and Judah. Just This is during Rehoboam's time. This is mentioned in the Bible. And it's also confer- for, confirmed at the walls on, at Karnak, inside uh, Egypt, these different cities that he overtook, as well as in the Bible. Well, he also had a southern campaign. And you can see at this time, that those fortifications that were used during David and Solomon's time, they're obviously out of use now. He doesn't want them to be able to fortify themselves around these mines. He's going to take over these mines. And also we have the introduction of Egyptian technology, Egyptian technology that does make a few big breakthroughs for the copper smelting process. And so this to me is just a tremendous, this whole story is a tremendous confirmation of the history of the Edomites and a tremendous confirmation of the history of the Edomites as detailed in the Bible, in the biblical text. It's amazing what you can learn from a pile of trash, in this case, slag, from the copper melting facilities in the Arava Valley at Timna and the Fainan. I'm going to leave a link again for this article. It's entitled Archaeology Confirms Book of Genesis on Israel's Arch Nemesis, the Edomites. Nemesis, sorry, the Edomites. That can be available for you at Watch Jerusalem. Just click on the show notes for today's program or on SoundCloud, however you're listening to this, or iTunes. It'll be there, and you can read through this uh, great article by Ariel David in Haaretz. 
And um, then if you'd like, you can also read the official study by the two archaeologists that go into the great detail at showing how from this pile of slag we have a detailed history of the kingship of the Edomites, the sons of Esau, and how that relates to King David's time as well. That's all we're going to discuss on today's program. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you'd like to send some feedback, you can do so by writing your emails to letters at watchjerusalem.co.il. Right now, we're putting the finishing touches on our first uh, edition of the Watch Jerusalem magazine. If you'd like to get your free copy of that delivered to you wherever you are in the world, please go ahead and go to the literature tab at watchjerusalem.co.il and hit magazine. And then request that, and that'll find its way to you, hopefully sometime towards, uh, let's say, probably two weeks from about today, maybe perhaps two and a half weeks. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 